welcome to The Bar is Loaded. I am Chris Howard, and today I have the honour of these two gents today. I have Mr. Taylor Strength himself, Danny Taylor, and I have Mr. Mental Health Muscle himself, Aaron Clark. How are we, sir? Hello, Hello guys. Good, thank you, mate. Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, absolutely fantastic, mate. The sun's out, you know, it's a good day. Absolutely. Let's make the most of this good weather, eh? Exactly, exactly. And how are you, Danny? Let's make the, let's make the most of the good weather, sit in and do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got it even worse now. I've had to shut the window because like, I keep getting outdoor noises. So I'm like, nah, I'm not risking that on this podcast. Fuck that. Shut the window <laughs> shut. So I'm now essentially in a hot box and it's fucking roasting. Self-isolation <laughs> and its finest. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, mate, the whole thing is, I mean, my beard's fucking absolutely ruined. My hair's ruined. If if you wanted a lockdown look, I am it. But no, it's it's great to have you both on. So thank you both very much for your time. Um, obviously, today we've uh, got the honour of having Aaron on. So we're going to chat again about mental health, really, and um, especially during times like this, like it's such an important subject. So again, Aaron, thank you very much for jumping on with us. You know, there was no one better to get on for this and obviously Danny thank you as well for jumping on um so we had a bit of a Q&A uh, we threw a lot of questions out there on Instagram for you to answer Aaron so you know we'll we'll get cracking on with that yeah no problem at all no problem at all so uh, the first question we got and it's quite a poignant one really um was obviously we've had the sad sad loss of Luke Sander um and the first question really was around how to cope with mental health during lockdown Okay. Um, in, in a general sense, how we look after our mental well-being, I think there are many answers to that question. Um, and if we're gonna, um, if we're gonna hone in on the Luke story for for answering that question, I think a lot of people um, are missing the gym. The gym's been taken away from us. That's a huge aspect of people's lives. That's a huge aspect of people's well-being. Um, and when that's removed from our day-to-day routine and our structure, it can become very difficult for a lot of people. Um, and I think um, one thing that we really need to focus on is trying to keep as much of a structure and a routine as we can. Um, and for a lot of people, obviously, that structure and routine disappears because um, a lot of uh, someone's structure and day-to-day routine um, kind of originates and belongs in the gym or belongs in a place where they're able to uh, maintain that sense of social belonging, maintain that social identity, maintain that motivation, maintain that positivity, maintain that aspect of being able to vent and de-stress as, as for many of us, the gym is a sanctuary. It's a mecca to, to kind of voice and talk about how you're feeling if you want to and leave all your shit at the door and kind of, you know, get in the gym and really forget about all of life difficulties. And so for, for all of us, that's been taken away. And, um, I don't know the ins and outs particularly with the story of Luke, but, um, I imagine that was a huge part of, um, Luke's demise under, under the pressures and under the kind of current circumstances and that's um, that's tragic um, and I think a lot of people need to try and keep a routine and a sense of structure to their day-to-day outlook and I know that's hard really hard um, but there is there is a lot of positivities um, to take away from this transition and, and um, I think when we went into lockdown a lot of people kind of just thought oh dear this is a frantic moment I'm going to go wild what do I do how do I do this when actually when they really broke down their before lockdown life there are so many aspects of that life that they can still take into this lockdown phase Um, and instead of going crazy and and thinking about things all negatively in the doom and gloom there are actually a lot of things that are quite easily transferred from pre-post and pre-lockdown to during lockdown 
Um, but because of the franticness and because of social media and because of everyone talking and all the whispers, people forget all of the fundamentals and the basics very, very quickly. So there has to be a sense of real control over those mental frameworks that we knew worked for us previous to lockdown and, and transferring them into lockdown as best as we can. And those things are very simple things like routine, you know, um, maintaining that breakfast, that lunch, that dinner time kind of routine, maintaining that getting out of the house if you can for a few hours a day, that family time that we all have day to day as we wake up and go to bed. There's a family time somewhere in there. There's a socializing with friends on the phone by text message. There's a, an hour on social media. All of these things people seem to have just forgotten about. So they're staying in their pajamas all day. They're not getting changed. They're not having breakfast. They're skipping all of their meals. They're not looking after themselves. They're not showering. And, and they wonder why their mental health has decreased so very quickly because they've just, they, they themselves have controlled that neglect of all of those things that were so fundamental and so important in our day-to-day -day lives that we don't really think about. And we have to now think about those things because of the conditions that we're in. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, I've, I've said this all along during lockdown, like I've, I've worked, I've been like, you know, I've been in a retail store the whole time. So for me, in a way, as much as I'm, cursed in the sense that I've had to go out there I've had to put myself at risk the blessing that I've still got the routine has absolutely been fundamental and like you yeah. say keeping that is probably what's kept me sane through the whole thing you know maybe my training's took a hit but at least I've still got that routine to back up on and like you say just having that time with family and you know things like this like having zoom and like the, po like the possibility now that we can talk to our friends a lot more and I think yeah. like you say that's just something that's forgotten and you know unfortunately like say people are just spending quite a lot of time just sat in the pajamas and they come out of that routine then yeah I think the emphasis for me is on is on remembering the important things in our life now I know I know for a lot of people that the gym is very important for me it's it's hugely important and I know for you Chris particularly it's been important in your life you know yeah. um and and that that isn't we're not forgetting about that we're not changing that fact that that's very much a present thing but there are so many other things in our life that that should really be thought about before the gym and should be should be held as a priority in our life before the gym, family, friends, loved ones, our health, having a roof over our head, being able to eat from the table at nighttime. You know, these simple gratitude principles, which people um, tend to forget. And I think in day to day life before lockdown. They were very easily forgotten about, you know, and, and I myself was culprit to that, particularly when mental health muscle was at its busiest. You know, I forgot all about my family. I forgot about my daughter who was six months old. I forgot that I, I, I loved music. I forgot that I loved to play the guitar because I was so consumed in gym and mental health muscle and, and forgot about the important things. I think that's really important that during this lockdown, we really refresh and we really take a step back and analyze what important things are in our life and where our value truly lies. Yes, one of those values will be the gym yes one of those priorities will be the gym but we don't live our life with one priority we have to make sure that when the gym doesn't um you know when we don't have the gym and it's it's not able to be accessed we have other things that we can fulfill ourselves with family friends hobbies interests reading whatever it might be you know yeah 100 mate 100 and i guess yeah. that leads us really nicely onto the second question that i got which was, although the gym in general and physical activity has a great effect on mental health, do you sometimes think it's relied on too much? Um, what I mean by that is, worst scenario, what if one day you can't just train anymore or even suffering from mental health whilst injured? In this case, COVID-19, should it be less promoted as a lonesome source and more of one of a few things that can help? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's over relied on. But I think that's just the innate ability and the innate characteristic of all of us who love the gym and love training. I think that's a, it's a very natural thing to get consumed in and, and, and absolutely have the gym as this almost an addiction, you know, um, because actually if, if you break down mental health for, for many with mental health issues and, and mental illness, the gym is a fantastic thing. I know for me, it's helped my anxiety tenfold i know for people who are really struggling in the darkest of times the gym can be a real sanctuary but if we go the other side of the scale for people that are perhaps suffering with an eating disorder or a terrible relationship with food um they you you hear many of them i spoke to hope virgo not long ago um, one of the mental health advocates for the uk she's fantastic she suffered with an eating disorder for most <coughs> of her, most of her teenage and adult life and and she was talking about the gym being an addiction and actually relying on the gym too much made her ill made her iller because of the because of the addiction that that came with training doing too much cardio not focusing on what she was eating but just constantly going to the gym and the gym because initially it was a place to go to de-stress and to deload all of this struggle but actually it became the reverse and and made things worse for her um and so yes there are two sides of the scale but i think what when we answered the, the first question about these priorities i think this is where that comes in chris really is you know but there has to be more in our lives than just the gym and if if you are if you are not a professional bodybuilder powerlifter that you are paid to do sponsored by yin and yang and all these businesses and your life doesn't consist of just bodybuilding or just powerlifting or just strong man strong woman then i understand that maybe the gym training fitness is is your only real priority par family i get that because that's your job but 99% of us aren't in that category and so there needs to be other things in our life that we are able to resort to, to connect with, to engage with that don't, don't surround the gym. Um, and so, you know, there are two sides of the scale, depending on how you look at it. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned about injuries in the question, you know, people have experienced kind of COVID scenarios before when they've been injured, you know, it, it, right now, yes, COVID has stopped us going to the gym, but many people have had injuries that have stopped them going to the gym excuse me and you'd like to have thought that during that time of injury there were things that they could go and do that would take their mind off not being in the gym but for many being injured is as bad as the gyms being shut mm. you know because um they can't access it and, and they have nothing else to turn to so i think what i'm trying to say here is in short to answer that question we need to we need to open up our we need to open up our mandate of things that we connect with and um although the gym is hugely important to us you know it saves lives in many cases but there needs to be other things too that people can connect with yeah. someone who you was you know in this situation you've described and Aaron, um you know you've highlighted a lot of the issues surrounding that in the last two questions where would someone start if someone's having these issues right now and i know a lot of people are experiencing this now people i know uh, you know, mutual friends, etc. So, what what's the starting point? I know you said you've got to find another purpose, but is it a case of getting a pen and piece of paper and brainstorming? You know, people are finding probably finding it difficult to get motivated given the current climate of the situation. So, where where, where does someone begin? 
Yeah. Okay. So I think, I think it depends where you are in regards to your mental capacity and your mindset uh, awareness and your self-awareness really, mate. I think there are different parts of the journey for a lot of people. Um, if, if you feel like your mindset is good and you're able to sit down and restructure and refresh those priorities and really kind of brainstorm where you're at in life. And I, and I guess we all need that at times is that kind of sit down reflection review time. Um, if you're able to do that, then that, that's a, that's a great start. You know, if you're able in, in the right set of kind of mindset, set to do that then that's fine but I think if you're not I think there needs to be a reach out to support networks in order to remind you perhaps of the values that you have in life and your purpose and your why and and really confirm your identity I suppose in a lot of cases and really um, remind yourself of the important things in your life Um, I think for a lot of people and I use myself as an example when before I had my kind of reset before Christmas, um, I, I needed to tap into all of the things that I knew I loved to do, but I hadn't done for some time. And that was a huge part of my restructure and my refresh. So I connected with people that I hadn't connected with for a year, 18 months, you know, they were, I held them close in my heart and they, they, they're important people in my life but because of life and mental health muscle and everything I hadn't really engaged with them so I connected with them and very quickly I was reminded you know of those important things in my life and how I was so annoyed at myself that I neglected those things and so I think that's I think that's a really positive thing and kind of that reconnection with positive things in our life um for a lot of people that can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and all different things but I in in simply forms Danny yes mate you know sitting down and just Stop worrying about what's happening tomorrow. Stop focusing on what happened yesterday. Be mindful and a bit more grateful of today, the here and now, the present time. And sit down, analyze, get your breathing down, stabilize, really, you know, really focus on you and and write down and maybe in a journal or on a piece of paper or on a sketchboard, whatever, that you can kind of visually remind yourself and talk to yourself about the things that are really important to you. And and, and very quickly, you'll come up with five or six things, if not more, that, that aren't imp- that are as important as the gym, you know, yeah. um, and the gym might well be up there. I'm sure it will be for a lot of people, but there's also other things up there. You know, we all crave our family. We all crave our friends. We all crave that social belonging somewhere, you know, a club that you go to uh, uh, a book that you're reading. I don't know so many different things. Um, and, and I think it is just a case of having the control to be able to do that. And um, if you can't, you need to reach out for support in, in order to kind of kickstart that, I suppose, and, and light that fire. You know, we always talk about reaching out. And, and if more people did that, I think more people would be able to really sit down and analyze where they're at and where they want to go moving forward. On the flip side to that, then, because that, that, that was a fantastic answer, by the way. On the flip side, if you're aware that someone might be struggling in that sense, um, how would you go about uh, kind of reaching out to them if you know, knew that they went to sort of people to kind of open up and, and yeah. I've got friends who are like this, you know, and you know, the, the, it's a bit of a bit of a pride thing. And I guess I'm, um, I, I, I guess I'm guilty of this myself as well. I don't to be honest, that I kind of pile it all in. Yeah, uh, I guess the, I guess the question there is. Um, if you're trying to reach out to someone, how would you do that? That must be the easiest way to go about that. It's lost again. We've still got your audio, mate. We lost him. Bugger. Why does it keep doing that? I don't know why it keeps doing that. <laughs> still got the audio. <laughs> I don't know. There you go. <laughs> I, I honestly don't understand it. You still had your audio, so we, we got your little... Uh, <laughs> you <just> <laughs> <panic>. <laughs> That's staying in, that's... 
I don't understand it, boys. I'm so sorry. I don't understand no, why it's doing this at all. You'll have to do a lot of editing here, Chris. You've got an editing task on your hands. Don't worry, um, mate. I've, I've become a god at it now. Don't worry. It's fine. They're good. Um, okay. Um, so, sorry, Danny. You're going to have to say all that again, mate. I'm sorry. No, no sweat. It's just uh, it was with that subject in mind and kind of on the flip side, if, if you're aware that someone is struggling with their mental health and they're yeah. not just a person to reach out to you, but you know that you could help them. How do you go about that without, you know, coming across, um, it's the way I'm looking for, kind of uh, being too intruding or, you know, kind of, um, I wouldn't say misstepping, but do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah so, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Kind of reaching out yeah. to someone in a way that, you know, it isn't going to upset them or isn't going to just cause them to kind of put a shield up and then you get nothing. Yeah, okay. So for me, uh, there is there is a responsibility from everyone to be able to, uh, reach out to someone and ask if they're okay. I think what is out of our control is the response and the behaviours from that person that you reach out to. And I think no one is at fault for being able to reach out and ask a question and kind of tap into someone's mental framework and ask if they're okay and ask if everything is okay and, and how they're feeling. I think no one should be criticised for doing that. It ultimately it is, it is the difficult part comes when the response that you get isn't the one that you were hoping for. Or, or that the behaviours of that person after you've asked that question change um, and, yeah. are, and are presented in a way in which you think, damn, I shouldn't really ask that question. But you should have asked that question because ultimately what could come back is, thank you for asking. I appreciate you asking. Yes, I'm not OK. You know, so it's, 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 it's like um, if I use suicide, for example, suicide prevention. You know, we, we for many years have prevented um, people and I've encouraged people to never say the suicide word. Don't ask if someone's suicidal. Oh, no, we mustn't do that. But that's bollocks. We need to ask people that exact question. Are you feeling suicidal? Are you thinking about suicide? Because ultimately what they can say is yes or no. Yeah, but because we avoid it, we miss an opportunity perhaps sometimes. And often we miss a slight window where they're, they're looking for someone to, to say that to them. And, and then they go, yes, I am. Thank you for asking. Can we talk about it? Yes, we yeah. can. So I think I think I think the in, in, in response to your in your question, Danny, it's important that as as the as the asker, you, you do everything you can to inquire about someone's well-being. It is entirely up to that person whether they wish to respond positively to that question or not. And actually, a lot of the cases you might get a bit of an abrupt response initially. Um, so you might say, you know, someone, how, how are you feeling? I've noticed you're feeling a little bit or you're looking a bit down at the moment. Everything all right. They might say, you know, I'm fine. But in an hour or so or a day or so, come back to you and go, you know, yesterday when you asked me whether I'm right, I'm not all right. Because sometimes yeah. a lot of people need time to process the question that's been asked, because unfortunately it doesn't get asked enough. Um, and I and I think depending on who that question comes from, so you might get a bit more of a blunted answer if it's someone that you love, someone very very close to you, because there's that kind of, oh I don't want them to feel like I'm a burden on their life, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas I've I've noticed in my in my experience, the people that you don't know so well often are quite happy to tell you that they're not okay, um, and 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 that's something that I've noticed. Um, and it, it's not it's not to say that it's always the case, but it's certainly something that I've noticed. Um, so yes, in response to your question, mate, ask the question, ask ask them how they're doing, ask them how they're feeling. You know, you you've done your bit then. You know, your your bit as the asker, as the inquiry, it is done, and and you can't control their 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 response or their reply to you. 
Um, you just got to hope that eventually that, that question sinks in if it's today or tomorrow or a week's time, you know. That's perfect. I think uh, that's important for people to hear. No worries. So another question I'd been sent, Aaron, um, obviously we've, you mentioned briefly about eating disorders. So this was um, one that said, I want to lose weight, but I've recovered from bulimia and Ednos. Every time I've tried to lose weight since, it's triggered my eating disorder again. How do I lose weight healthily without triggering myself? Uh, okay, so this is, this is where um, my professionalism has to come into play. And um, deep down, eating disorders aren't my area. So um, it's certainly a question that I think is a valid question. And I could answer it from a mindset point of view but I couldn't answer it from a medical or a knowledge point of view purely because eating disorders is such a very complex area and you really would need to seek professional help from someone that was really clued up and medically trained in that area. It's, it's something that, um, you know, of all my kind of stuff that I've done over the many years, eating disorders has always been the one that requires that little bit more specialism because, because of, because of what it involves and it, you know, it's such a sensitive area it really is. So, so my advice would be, my response to that question would be um, in regards to a medical sense, go and seek some professional guidance from someone that really understands truly eating disorders, because I wouldn't do you justice or, or any help really answering that question to my knowledge. Um, but there is an element of that question that I can answer, which is, which is mindset and, and the, the control of what you do and how you feel and, and what you are. And, and once you're able to get a real management on, on how you're feeling, the things that you're doing that you know will, will offer you a positive outcome, things that you do that will offer you some um, progression and some development away from those, those struggling times regarding food, excuse me, the better things will be. But like I say, really for that question, you need to be going to a professional that really truly understands eating disorders at its finest depth to really um, to really support you and help you get out of that position that you're in. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, there's no other way of saying it really, Chris, mate. I'd be doing it unjust if I, if I wobbled on with something really, mate. No, cool, mate. No, completely appreciate the honesty on that one. Um, and then we've got one that's pretty much for all three of us. Um, when your head goes down or you start feeling low and unmotivated, how's the best way to get back to the training? Okay. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, okay, so I talk about I talk I think I talked about in the workshop actually that I that we did when I came up to Liverpool and to Taylor Strength. Um, it's about that desire from within to want to change. You know, ultimately, you can receive all the information in the world, all the support in the world, all the guidance in the world, but if there is no desire from within to want to change that shit, it's never gonna happen. So if you lose your motivation or you lose the the vibe to want to uh, you know, train or, or, and everything seems a bit dark and dreary, you know, ultimately you are the only one that can change that scenario. You are the only one that can really implement the things needed in order to get back on that positive track again. Yeah. So there has to be, there has to be a desire from within to change for me. And I think that's really important. You know, um, nothing's going to happen in life unless we, I, you make a change to do that. Um, so I think that's really important to remember. Um, what, just ask the question again, mate, so I can do the do the last bit again. Yeah, it was when your head goes or you start feeling low and unmotivated, how's the best way to get back in training? Yeah, so I think there's a, there has to be, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but a reconnection with the things that made you train in the first place. You know, that reminding, that reflection on the things that, 
that really empowered you and motivated you to get in the gym in the first instance, you know, resort back to your purpose and your why and your values and, and really focus on those in order to find that gateway again into the training. So um, for a lot of people, um, you know, they started the, the gym, they started training because of a weight loss probably or something of the sort. So if you've got in the gym and, and you, um, you've lost all that weight, Remember why you got in the gym in the first place and see if there are any transferable skills from that from that reason why you started the gym to start again. Probably, yes, there will be, you know, because ultimately with weight loss, with weight loss goals, with weight gain goals, there has to be something going on up here as well. And that's the stuff that we can reconnect with because nobody wants to feel like they do much longer so what they went to the gym they went training they did something about it so reflecting on that again and really imposing that on on the here and now and remembering why you did it and, and giving yourself that boost again that you need to get back in the gym i'm a big believer that motivation should come from ourselves yes motivation and support from other people is vital and it is there's no doubt about that and people can inspire you to take it to the next step but motivation has to come from within. It begins with M, and I've always said motivation is me. I have to motivate myself because if I'm not motivating myself, no bucker else is going to motivate me. So yeah. I need to be able to step forward before, before people can grab my hand and help pull me along. But if I'm not yeah. stepping forward in the first place, I ain't going anywhere. I'm at standstill. So, you know, we talk about, oh, I've lost the motivation. Where can I find this motivation from? From with you, from within you. You know, yeah. doing all those things that we talked about a little bit earlier about reflecting, remembering why you started in the first place, really sitting down and analyzing all of those things in your life that you're doing this for. What are those short term goals for? They aren't just for the gym. They're probably reflected out in your real life as well. So what are you doing to motivate yourself? Mm -hmm. Where is that desire? Where is that flame that you had once upon a time? Find it again. Dig deep, dig deep. That's, you know, it's resilience. We've got to dig deep life. It's time. Excuse me. There's no there's no um, there's no pointing the finger at anybody else all the time in your life. There has to come a point where you make the change and you do it yourself. Yeah, I think like uh, that, that's a really good answer, mate. And um, I think as a coach over the last 10 years, I've had to, you know, I have these sort of conversations not on such a deep level, but um, just to act as and serve as motivation, just a bit of a kick up the ass for some people sometimes. And, you know, what you've just mentioned then kind of, um, uh, kind of, uh, I can resonate with it just from the experience that I, experiences that I've had as a coach over the last 10 years or so. Yeah. So what would be your advice to, um, to like coaches now and future coaches in terms of, you know, to have these conversations and uh, being able to kind of um, help someone find yeah. their own motivation you know okay yeah yeah so i think for me there has to be a for first and foremost i i truly believe that pts coaches these days are not like they used to be in the past so nowadays you're much more than a coach and you're much more than a pt i think you have to become a bit of an educator you have to become a friend you have to become a companion you have to become this person that that they entirely rely on and trust uh, if they need to at any given time and I think that relationship is so important to build. And I feel like conversations that you're trying to talk about here um, can only be fully achieved if that relationship between the coach and the client is there. Um, so my encouragement would be for coaches to really work on that social, social aspect between coach and client, really work on that relationship that you build with your clients to really truly understand them understand yeah what's going on up here and uh, kind of truly understand what their what their goals are and and why they do the things that they do in their life and 
that shared understanding is really powerful um, and, and conversations will be encouraged if, if that kind of exists. Um, yeah. I think there is a lot of um, evidence in the industry to suggest that not all PTs and coaches want to build that relationship with their clients. And it's clear to see that they struggle. Um, you know, their clients after a week or so drop off, they disappear to, into the abyss. There's no, there's no retention. Clients don't come back when they've, when they've had six months off and they want to do another program. Um, and I think if I'm honest, mate, bluntly, that's the sort of shit we need to get rid of in the industry because that's, that's not going anywhere anymore. PTs and coaches that just do it for the money and do it for the attention. Yeah, it's not cutting it anymore. You need to be much more. And I know, I know particularly with you, Danny, you know, in your gym, I, I've, I was witness to the relationship that you had with all of those people that turned up to that workshop and that's powerful. And I, and I want to see that more really across the UK, you know, it, it's in a lot of places, but not everywhere. And I think for me, there's much more of that relationship with gyms that aren't commercial and aren't chain gyms. Yeah, I think yeah. I think chain gyms really struggle to build that that relationship with their clients um, because they're just on a money rolling thing, you know, one in, one out, one in, one out. Yeah. Um, and so so, yeah, for me, mate, it's, it's really important that that, that relationship is there. Um, and then those those conversations can happen. And, and like we said before, you can ask those questions. You might not get the response that you're hoping for or you think you might get. But you've asked those questions and there's no judgment or there's no awkwardness about asking that question in the first place because your client trusts you. And yeah. if there is a reason to give you an answer, then they'll give you it. You'd like to think, you know, I, I, I still speak when I was PTing oh, nine years ago. You know, I still speak to most of my clients that I PTed in that seven year period. They become friends. They become my friends because back then I really cared about their well-being and I really cared about them as a human being not just how many abdominals they had after a six week program. Do you know what I mean? So, and I think that's really important to remember. So um, yeah, build that relationship, mate. And the questions can be asked. And if they're, if they're able to lead onto a conversation that eventually saves a life or, or gets someone out of a dark place and into a positive light, then, then quids in, you know? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think like, just like you were saying, Aaron, like, I think that's the unfortunate thing in commercial gyms at the minute. Like you say, it is that one in one out. And, you know, it's it's less about what's good for the client. It's just what's good for that person's wallet. You know, I I do know great PTs in commercial gyms, but at the same Agreed. time, they're massively outweighed by the shit ones that just see just see yeah. pound signs rather than actual real-life people. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's something for me that I really credit to Danny is, like, you know, his coaching style is so clear um, to see, like, how – the relationship he has with his clients and it's ultimately molded who I am as a coach, you know, like I, it's, it's so much more than you're training someone. It's, you're trying to change people's mindsets. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to improve their life for the better. And that's lost a lot of times. And I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the big reasons for it is because back in the day when I did my PT, uh, what got 15 years ago now, almost, it was very hard work to get a PT qualification. Like you really slogged your guts out. You felt like you were really working hard. Nowadays you can do crash courses in two weeks and all of a sudden you're a qualified PT. And the problem at the moment is that the industry for me is full of these very newly qualified PTs that just want to fit into a trend because they go to the gym. So because I've trained the last two years of my life during college, I have to be a PT. And, and so we've got this influx of PTs, online coaches, people with blue ticks on Instagram that have never coached anyone in their life, but all of a sudden they're doing online programs because they went on love Island and sucked the cock. Like, you know, I mean, come on, 
like what's going on we need to that that, that needs to be really get rid of that all um, and so unfortunately that's that's infiltrated into commercial gyms because everyone wants another pt all these commercial gyms yeah sign up here be a pt at gym group or whatever you know and like you say chris rightly say you know there are some really good pts in these commercial gyms but because of the outnumbered shite that's in there they, they get overlooked um and i think that's a real shame yeah 100 mate you know one of the smartest people i know he's a, he's a pt in a commercial gym but it's just you're outweighed by utter shit and they, they just don't get the credit they deserve did you get your internet from 15 years ago as well? Yeah, I think so. I think so, mate. I don't understand well, I it. But they're like, just as well, just to touch on the, um, like the lack of motivation thing, a big thing that I've, like, you know, during lockdown, it's been so hard for me to train. It's getting that motivation. Like I've said on podcasts in the past that, you know, where my dumbbells are, where the bench is, it's in my living room. And that's exactly the same place my sofa is. But yeah. you know, that's, that's down to just having the room, you know, I haven't got any other room. So, you know, it's not like I can just move it upstairs and then it's not in that same vicinity. But I think for me, a lot of it has just been switching that mindset to just saying, right, rather than the fact that I'm a fat shit because I'm being able to train, at least I've been able to treat this time for recovery. And I think that little switch is just, it builds that motivation back up to think, look, right, I'm recovering now. The second the gym's open again, I'm going to be niggle free for the first time in months. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's... Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of lot of value in what you just said there, mate. I think I think to sum it up, there's you know, negativity fuels negativity. If we can try and transform these 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 hindrances in our life at the moment, these difficulties, these challenges into a positive sense and and look at it from a different perspective. Perspective is such a key element right now for a lot of people, you know. Um, yes, I can't do this, but what else can I do? Yes, I don't have this, but what do I have? You know, I can't do this at the moment, but this is only temporary. It's a very temporary phase in our life. We're going to get out of this probably sooner rather than later by the looks of things. You know, we are going to get out of this and I can't wait until we do do that. Um, so for me, that's really important. And, and transferring those negatives into positives, because if we just indulge ourselves in these negative, everything's shit, everything's doom and gloom. Life is going to be shit and doom and gloom. You know, that's, that's ultimately the only way that we, it's going to be. So the, the, the more that we can transfer these negatives into positives and really look at things productively and opportunistically and optimally, yeah. Yeah, then the better things will be, mate. So like you say, yes, your weights are in your living room, but you've got weights and you've got a living room. <laughs> yeah. Many people don't have weights in the first place, you know. Um, so And like you said, you've got this time now where you can rest and, and, and recuperate and get back to back to full capacity and, and injury free, perhaps niggle free, you know, not many people do that. We talk about rest when we're training, not many people rest, you know, people are forbidden. Rest is forbidden for a lot of people. I'm not resting. There are no gains, you know, like whatever, like now is the time to rest and really recuperate. So yeah, exactly that. Great example, mate. Use this time as a, as a rest period, as opposed to a, I can't train, I can't train, but I can rest. So there's, there's the switch. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like recovery for me is something like, I'm, I've always been passionate about. Like, I think, like you say, there's too many bros out there that think, oh, no rest days, you don't get gains in rest days. But, you know, it's 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 not even just about letting your body recover. It's letting your mind recover. Like you say, it's it's not good to be thinking about the gym 24-7. Like, that isn't, that isn't healthy for anyone. You know, you need that time to switch off. So, you know, these people that, you know, just think no rest days. You just they just really need to sit back and think. Is is yeah. 
is this wise because it's certainly not going to be something that they can carry on for months and months and months. It's, you know, it's, it's certainly not sustainable. Particularly within our industry, the fact that people do think about the gym 24-7 is the reason that we're really struggling mentally right now. And yeah. it's no coincidence that a lot of people who use the gym, who train, who exercise, who rely on the gym and that community are struggling right now more so than they've ever done before because they have never thought of anything else outside of that gym environment. And, you know, it's all well and good when you've got access to go to the gym, but what happens when that thing disappears and it's taken from us and it's completely out of our control, then we start getting into the realms that a lot of people are struggling with at the moment. And, you know, it's, it's sad. It's a, it's a damn shame, but um, if things have been done it differently in pre lockdown and their mindset and their way of thinking and their kind of structure, of life was different they perhaps wouldn't be in the positions that they're in now yeah 100% and I think that's something I realized quite quickly that the gym's just a facilitator you know it's not the thing that is the be all and end all it's just that is the thing that helps it but that isn't the be all end all you know it's it's the exercise in general you know I, I don't need a gym to exercise you know fuck me I've been laughing about the fact that I keep going on walks now you know big Boris has said I can have an hour a day so I have an hour a day walk and it's you know, it's just about making those changes and realising that the, the gym just isn't everything. You know, it's it's a facilitator, nothing more, nothing less. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got another question as well, which is obviously, you know, mental health muscle has been so important to everyone. You know, you know what that after that seminar you came up and did with us, it touched a lot of us. Um, you know, it's how we met you. Um, you know, we've spoke many times since. And uh, one of the questions was, um, what is the future like for mental health muscle? What's it okay, like? Okay, yeah. So this is this is a uh, this is one that's kind of a personal touch, I think. So um, end of last year, November time, I myself hit hit the most difficult mental health stage of my life that I've ever had before, um, and I, I hit a real low. Um, I had a complete breakdown. Um, I was severely depressed, uh, very low mood, uh, and lost all my buzz for life, really, um, and. I think a huge part of that was trying to juggle juggle all the things that I was doing at that present time. So I work full time. I was running a national organization alongside it in my own time. And the important things in my life, like we said earlier, my family, my, my wife, my daughter, um, my hobbies, my interests, my friends were completely neglected for for a quite some time. Um, I, and it was only until I hit that wall that I truly realized that something needed to change. And Mental health muscle was never a money thing for me. I've done the last three years mental health muscle completely voluntary. You know, all the workshops went into the, the pot to support people in the UK with their mental health in the gyms. And um, and I couldn't keep doing that for much longer. There's only so much that I could give for free. In uh, And it, mental health muscle wasn't doing anything but growing and getting bigger and bigger. And, um, and I was unable to do that. So I made the very tough decision to step back and make mental health muscle a kind of a movement and a, and a, and a thing rather than an organization. But, um, the, the dream is very much there to bring it back. Um, I don't think it's anytime soon, but I would like to think 2021 will be looking at mental health muscle coming back in kind of a rebirth. Um, I, I, there's a lot of work to be done in regards to making sure that I don't hit that wall again and that I'm able to, um, honestly stop working and do mental health muscle full time and, and support my family through that in, in a paid role 
um, and employ other people to do what I was doing, but in different areas of the country so that I wasn't just doing everything all the time. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done. And truthfully, I miss it every day. Um, you know, it was my baby and we were able to really take that thing a long way in such a short space of time because it was so very relevant and it hit so many people's hearts. Um, so right now, the movement very much lives on. It's running in the veins of thousands of people and we're still getting messages daily through the through the Instagram and, uh, you know, people tagging us and people wearing the bands and T-shirts. It's amazing. That all hasn't stopped. But operationally right now, in regards to supporting people through fundraising and sponsorship, etc., has stopped. The workshops have stopped and the events have stopped. But um, that's only because of capacity, really. I, I do want to get back into that one day. And I think I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fire in my belly to get that back um, and do some more great stuff with it. Perhaps more of the same, but just in a different, slightly format. Um, and I've spoken to quite a few of the big dogs who were very close to Luke Sando. And I think in light of Luke's passing, there's, there's a real resurgence again to get something like mental health muscle back into the industry. And I think I've got the verbal support of a hell of a lot of the big boys and the big girls who, who, you know, are up there with, with the levels of Luke. And, um, and I think just a few conversations and a few meetings and a few gatherings to really implement what we want to do moving forward. And we'll be in a place to be able to think about that again. So, um, yeah, you know, I can't wait to see it back. And I'm, I'm sure that sure that passion is shared by many others as well. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, like I've got the mental health muscle logo on my shirt. You know, you let me have the honor of displaying that. You know, all of us in the gym, a lot of us still wear the, like the wristbands that we got on the day. You know, like you say, it's it's become that movement. You know, it's so much more than just that logo. It's the movement and everything that it represents. But I guess, like, leading on as well, um, obviously, I know your good friend Matt has, like, the page, Campaigning for Change. Um, I guess, like, one of the questions I had was, obviously, you know, I, what, pages like that, like, what is, you know, how, just how, they're obviously important, but just how important do you think they are? Yeah, I think they're important and I, and I encourage Matt to do what he does. And I think there's a lot of um, originality in what Matt does and, and he holds very true to his values and his passions and his beliefs. Um, you know, as someone who has been through the darkest of times and has suffered with mental illness for most of his most of his life and through the challenges that he's faced, I'm incredibly proud of him. And I think it needs people like him to be able to to be completely transparent and completely honest with their life journey and and have the confidence and the. Um, the ability because a lot of people don't have that ability to to post that online and really share their journey with people and um, you know there's obviously ups and downs for Matt and there still are and he'll be the first to say that but I think his rawness and his realness of everything is is very powerful and uh, I know that a lot of people take a lot away from what what he posts and the things he says and the things that he talks about um, you know, he, he is, he is the vision of mental health muscle just in a different light. He's, he's, you know, he's been there with me from the start of mental health muscle and our friendship has only, only grown, you know, he's a brother to me. He's not just a friend. Um, and, 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 you know, we're lucky that we've got people like Matt who still carry that, that promotion and that awareness through their own individual profiles. Um, and, and, you know, people always link it with mental health muscle because Matt was very much a presence in that movement in the start. So, um, that's all very much there. And yeah, I'm, I'm truly proud of him. And I think, I think what he does is incredible. And, you know, and I think because it's so raw and because it's so real and I, and I know his background, 
it's never like, oh, you're just putting that on for social media. Like, I know everything he says is true. You know, I, I get what he puts in a post, in a message, on a, in a WhatsApp at nighttime, you know. Um, and, and the conversations we have revolves around all of that. So, yeah. And there's many people like Matt out there doing some great stuff. And um, particularly for men, it's so important that we talk about it. And it's so important that we encourage men to talk about how they're feeling. I mean, we're all human beings at the end of the day. Matt and I have started a podcast called Alpha Man. And I don't know whether you've heard of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, we've, we've got the Alpha Man podcast and we're just trying to be real on there and, and get blokes to listen to it and truly connect and understand that they can talk about their emotions because we're only humans too. And, um, you know, to be, a, to be a true Alpha Man is, is a big part of that, is being able to express your emotions and express how you feel and, mm-hmm. and show your weaknesses and show your vulnerabilities because it's only through our vulnerable times and our challenging times that we truly grow. Um, you know, we don't grow when things are going great. We just, we just, we just keep feeling great. And, you know, we, we grow when we dig deep and we build that resilience and we find shit that we've never found before to get us out of a situation and, in, and into a better one. So, um, yeah, totally agree with, with what you're saying, mate. I think I think it's great that he does what he does um, and in the way he does it. You know, I, I'd like to see him getting into some public speaking. I've kind of encouraged him on several occasions to to get himself in front of an audience and inspire some people, you know, because uh, his, his, his story is it knockout you know i'm in tears every time i hear it and i've heard it time and time again so yeah for sure it's uh it's powerful yeah 100 percent, mate you know like uh before he set up this page like i'd followed him for many 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 months and you know like you say it's just that realness and you know he's not afraid to put himself out there and like you know we've seen him at his worst days you know on his stories crying you know saying he's had to go for help and things like this and it's we don't see that rawness enough and i think no especially as a male, like it's so important to see another male be prepared to put themselves out there like that. And I think it's only going to encourage more to do so. And that's such a powerful yeah. thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Absolutely. Any other questions, Danny? Uh, yeah, I had one. And it's just regarding the podcast as a whole. So when, when we initially were asking questions, we didn't get as many. Um, so I guess my, um, my question to you is, you believe there's kind of like a stigma around uh, people wanting to find out more about mental health versus uh, making a statement about mental health. We expected to get a lot more than what we did, uh, although yeah. the ones that we did get were much appreciated, and I think we've definitely covered some really profound topics there. Um, yeah. so I'm just wondering really what why you think there's, or if you think there's like a bit of a disconnect there between people who are okay making statements about the mental health, but wouldn't necessarily ask questions to someone who's uh, considered more of an expert regarding mental, mental health. Why do you think that is? Is it a, an open sort of thing? Is that the way of coping with it? Or Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think there's a lot of <laughs> mental health at the moment has become such a, such a, um, a readily available topic and everyone's very much speaking about mental health more so than they've ever done before. And I think social media just provides people with a platform to be able to be a part of that and get that sense of fulfillment and get that sense of gratitude without truly digging into really how they feel. I think, um, and, and, you know, it's just kind of, it sounds silly, but I talked about it in the workshop, you know, people, people want gratification and to feel like they belong to something on social media. And just, just the fact that they can use a hashtag in one of their posts 
that resorts to mental health and, and might attract the attention of some bigger players in the industry who want to like their post or or communicate with them or interact with them or send them a comment um that might be the reason for it and um that, that we have to be very very careful where we sit on this on this uh, fine line of of are we doing why are we why are we wanting to talk about our mental health why are we wanting to tell the world about how we're feeling mentally is it because we truly want people to know because we're looking for support and we want to empower people to do the same or is it because if I don't I'm not fitting in with the trend and I'm not getting I'm not getting the interactions that everybody else seems to be getting so I'm just going to jump on this bandwagon you know I think if we're talking about mental health uh, particularly anxiety depression stress they are all things that organically every human being will experience just because you are di- just because you are struggling with an anxious moment or a depressive moment doesn't mean that you have that you are diagnosed and that you um, have a mental health Ill- issue or you have a mental illness but i think because there's so much information out there people are just very quickly self-diagnosing and and they think to themselves oh i was a bit anxious yesterday i'll do a post on mental health and tell people how i'm struggling with my mental health when truly deeply there isn't there isn't that much of a relevance in what they're experiencing it's just a human organic emotion and we're all entitled and we're all you know very capable of feeling those emotions Um, and I think that's the fine line so we talk about you know promoting information and giving people more information on mental health with that comes more people um, self-diagnosing and 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 feeling like they have to fit into that because of something that's happened in their life Um, I think that happens a lot mate so um, this is this these are the things we've got to be careful on social media you know um it is an amazing tool but but similarly it also is a is a dangerous place and it can be quite overwhelming for a lot of people and it can become a place of real magnetism and addiction and um and a lot of people's lives and communities and belonging is on social media so imagine if social media was taken away from because of because of covid you know i think we'd be in an even worse position than we are right now because of the gyms go because of the gyms going i think we'd be in an even worse position if social media went because of lockdown you know um so thank the lord we're not in that position because i think we'd be dealing with a pandemic of mental illness let alone pandemic of coronavirus you know um so yeah yeah definitely i mean like the point on that like you're saying is mental health is just it's so unfortunate at the minute that it's just becoming a hashtag that all these blue ticks think it's going to be something that's just going to get more likes, more follows. And it's just, it's, you know, that's something I took massively from the seminar that you did was, you know, if you, if you follow someone that isn't beneficial, unfollow them, you know, there's no point they should be in your follow list. And that's what a lot of these people are, is they're just there to hashtag mental health. And like you say, it's just, I've had a, you know, I've had a sad day. I must be depressed. And there's just too much of that at the minute. And I think, it's it's quite hard for people to divulge what who's being genuine and who's not yeah yeah it's very difficult mate it's very very difficult and i don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it really because unless you really know that person and there's a relationship there i don't think anybody truly knows you know um under mental health muscle a lot of a lot of people with blue ticks i i just reached out to and um because I was intrigued by the posts that they were doing. And, and when one or two posts come up, you think, oh, it might, might actually be a genuine thing here. You know, and I would often message the blue tickers or the influencers in our industry. Um, very little of them, you know, influencing absolutely anything at all, really. But they were influencers in their own right. And, and I connected to them. And some of the responses were like, yes, OK, I understand. You've got a mental health issue. You get it. Other responses came through. And I'm thinking, 
this response is not someone who's just posted what you've posted. You know, this response is, you know, it, it's money orientated. It's, it's getting yeah. more followers orientated. This isn't genuine response, what you're giving me here. You know, when we had the events and we had a lot of them, you know, I reached out to some of the big dogs because big dogs are powerful and their influence and their impact that they can make is, 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 is great. And, you know, a lot of them were, were keen to do things for free and get themselves down and talk about their mental journeys. And that was amazing. But some, the first thing that they say is how much you're paying me. You know, when is it? You know, I'm, I'm thinking this is not why I'm messaging you. And this doesn't portray the post that you've just posted to, to, to tell everybody about your mental health when actually probably all you're doing is just is just jumping on a bandwagon because it's common and it's, it's cool. It's trendy. You know, mental health isn't cool. It's not trendy. Um, you know, so so that, that's the difference. And, and that we have to filter that out and we'll be forever filtering that out, mate. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there, for example, that do apparel that support mental health and that's great. But there's also a lot of companies out there that support mental health and truly they have no interest in mental health at all. Anyway, they're just doing it so that on the advertising, it looks good to people because you're supporting mental health charities. And there's a lot of that as well. So we need to, we just need to be careful. Some, um, some excellent topics that are covered. I think this is going to be, yeah. If there's anything you've got to add, Aaron, no, no, nothing else to add. I've just, I've really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and like I say, if, if there's any anything that we can do again in the future, I'm sure there will be, and I'm sure we'd love to get together and do some more stuff when when all of this craps over. Um, but in the meantime, you know, like I said, the Mental Health Muscle page isn't isn't operating in regards to an organisation, but the DMs are always open. And if anybody wants to check in and have a chat about things, then I'll always be on the other end. So I encourage people to reach out if, if they if they truly want to reach out and talk about how they're feeling, because I'm always a I'm always a a voice and a, and an ear to listen. You know, so awesome, awesome, mate. Listen, Aaron, thank you again for coming on, mate. You're welcome, Danny. Thank you for your time. And like you say, I'm sure we'll do something in the future, mate. Yeah, lovely. Lovely to see you both. You too, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Take care, boys. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Take care, boys. Bye-bye. That is a wrap.